Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Frenchies, so every single dude, all the dudes. And we couldn't help but wonder. With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is... Couldn't help but wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex, sex in, in the, the city, city and how it relates to us. To us. Okay. Jamie, you are a good singer. No, I'm I not. I don't care what that they say. That was not good. To us. That's what I sounded like. Okay. You're going to be like Kristen Bell what and all they of a sudden get all this great singing work. Oh, my God. Girl, all who right. are you this week, if I don't mind myself asking? Uh, who was I this week? Uh, I... I guess I was a Carrie. I had a quite social weekend, and she's a bit of a sochi butterfly. Yeah, uh, I went to an Oscar party, and uh, it was very fun. I went to Mike. You know Mike Lawrence. Um, He's a a very funny comedian. We started stand-up around the same time, and um, he has a lovely house and a lovely wife and a lovely dog, and he had a bunch of people over, and it was fun. It's so weird. Every year... When I'm watching the Oscars, I'm actively like, this is boring. I don't, I love movies. I I find it fun to sort of not know who's going to win. Like there is a game element to it, but I'm always so bored watching the Oscars every single year. And then when it comes back around, I'm like, ooh, it's Oscar night. Like, I, it's like I don't retain that the year before I found it boring. And that happened again. But I am happy for Parasite. It's only fun when you're with fun people and everyone's like, ooh, look at the dress. Ooh, look at the... And just gossip. Well, That's the fun part. The red carpet is a blast. But I then like that. you're in this place where when you're, at a, when you're at a party that revolves around watching a thing, there are two camps. There's the camp that actually wants to watch. And then there's the camp that doesn't give a shit and they're really loud and they won't be quiet for the people who want to watch. And I was somewhere in the middle where I was like, I think I care a little bit. I wish people would be quiet, but also, why do I want them to be quiet? Like, I'm not really missing anything. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I agree with you. I think the red carpet is, like, the most fun part. And then when you watch it, that kind of goes away. Yeah, I think I when like you watch your the idea ceremony. of the subtitles and then just chatting over it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I like but that. then if, if you're not really paying attention, then you're like, well, what are we doing? I don't know. It's just odd. Anyways, uh, okay, who are you? Who was I this week? Um, well, I can't tell which one I should talk about. I can talk about one that's kind of like about health or one that's about like friends. Hmm. Go, you- go friends because I went friends. Okay. So which one was I? I guess I am like maybe I'm a bit of a Charlotte or I'm not sure which one I am to be honest because I don't know who makes boundaries do any of them make boundaries Miranda okay I guess Miranda Samantha yeah maybe kind of more of Miranda you're a a Miranda 
Oh my God, did you just make that up? Yeah. That's so good. Wait, Guys, Jamie. You're a Marantha. Oh my God. You're a Sherry? That Marantha's would be Charlotte the best. Carey. You're a... A Saminda? Ooh, what's Saminda? Oh. Samantha Miranda? Samantha. Samanda. Samanda. Mm. Marantha's obviously Marantha. Marantha. It's Marantha. Goes without saying. My middle name is Amanda, and I even was like, no. Unless you're like a Stantha? A Stanantha? Yeah. A Stanantha. <laughs> okay, now we're cooking with gas. Okay, so anyway. Okay, you're a Marantha. Go on. I'm a Marantha because I have a friend, and obviously a big part of friendship is being there to hear when people have ups and downs, blah, blah, blah. But I have a friend who has um, been single for about a year Mm -hmm. out of a very toxic, horrible relationship. I wasn't friends with her while she was with this person. I've only been friends with her in the aftermath. Mm -hmm. And I've only heard like pretty terrible things about him. Mm. And this friend of mine is battling him like a drug. Like oh, it, no. it's been a year and every day is like thinking it's about like him? it was yesterday. Yeah. That's terrible. And it's hard to hear sometimes. Sure. And it's a lot of hearing about it. Mm. And the last time he doesn't live here. Okay. And the last time he came into town, she was like, he's in town. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, obviously you're not gonna see him. Right. She was like, well, I think I no. can. And she had a little time with him all weekend and then she spiraled way harder afterwards just like obviously not to be like she didn't listen to me so fuck her of course you're gonna make your own mistakes but it's very hard it's it's kind of like loves her yes as someone who loves her and it's kind of like being friends with an addict it's hard to hear somebody do something again and again that's hurts them or just talk about how great someone is it's obviously shitty and then gets back entangled and and I've been trying to like figure out how to deal with this because it's a little I'm I've sort of reached a little bit of my limit of how much I can hear about it. So and we're close friends or yeah. whatever. And then she told me recently, oh, he's he's coming into town. Mm-hmm. And I talked about it with some friends and I was like, I need to make a boundary because it's kind of crazy making for me to hear about somebody who keeps letting somebody terrible back in. And I just said to her, I love you. I'm here for you this week. You can come sleep at my house. We can go to the movies. We can do whatever, but I can't hear about it. Mm. But I'm here for you, but I don't want to talk about it. And she was like, fine. Okay, bye. And just hung up the phone. I haven't heard from her in a week. Whoa. And I talked to some friends about it, some friends who had been in toxic relationships. And they're like, yeah, I mean, as long as you let her know that you're here and that she can rely on you, you just might not be able to talk about this particular subject. And I've had friends before who have had to say, I can't hear about this anymore. I love you, but I can't hear about this anymore. Yeah. Uh, as Well, I haven't had this happen uh, around a guy necessarily, but I will, I, it reminds me of this time when in college, uh, like first semester, sophomore year, I was just in a funk. I really wanted a boyfriend. I also just like didn't really have my friend group solidified at that point. I had some friends, but like they were all from kind of like different pockets, different social groups. And I wasn't in a sorority and I probably should have been because I went to a big school and like, 
you know, at least you have like a community from that. Um, but anyways, I was complaining to my mom nonstop. I was like, I want to move away. I want to move to London. I was like spiraling, like I got to get out of here, all this stuff. And at one point, my mom was just like, Jamie, like I'm done hearing it. I don't know what to tell you. I, you know, I think you have a good life. I think, you know, like if you want to make a change, make a change. But like, I can't hear you. Yes, I can't be a yeah, sponge and to I this was negativity also like anymore. Crying all the time. I mean, like really feeling my feelings yeah. to such a visceral degree. And at the moment when she said that, I was like, I can't believe you just said that to me. I was like, how dare you? I was like, how could you stop your daughter from going you know, on outpouring on. Right. to you, her mother? You know, you should be a receptacle for my pain. You birthed me. You put me on this earth. And then like a day or two later, I was like, what a healthy thing to have someone say. It's boundaries. Because it did snap me out of it a little. I mean, I still was, you know, it wasn't immediate, but it was nice to know my mom is someone who she hears every I mean that has never happened in our relationship she's never shut me down she'll be on the phone for hours she'll hear all the shit so it was really sort Impactful. of like earth shattering to have it come from her um but yeah anyways it, it I sometimes think those sort of what do you call those types of phone calls? Yeah, like the boundary phone call. Yeah, I think I some think people they can be really beneficial, even if they don't feel like it in the moment, even if it's like a little bit of an ego blow and whatever it is. It, it, at the end, it's it's kind of a good wake up call. And I'm not call, trying to think. give her a lesson. It's no, really no, you're for not myself. at all. You're doing it for yourself. It's I, hear the, I truly can't hear it anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's not a judgmental thing. We've all done things that are bad for us. But it's been a year and I can't talk about this thing that's obviously bad. I can't. I just can't. And I still love you. And I and I talked to a friend about it. And she said, I have a friend who was in a toxic relationship for a couple of years. And she said her best friend at a certain point would just change the subject. Mm -hmm. And she would just say, oh, you know, did you see this movie? And she would just change the subject. And it became very clear that she was still there for her, but she wasn't there for that. And we, I have a friend you know who used to be in a toxic relationship. And I stopped listening to that too. And so... I think you can still love someone and be there for them without engaging in the details of toxic shit. And you know what? This did happen in Sex in the City, and it was all three girls saying to Kara, you need to go to therapist. We can't hear about the breakup that. anymore. Yeah. It's true. You're allowed to have boundaries, people. Yeah. I hope my friend can get over it and be friends with me and not like hold me hostage or something. You're, you'll, I think it'll work out. It might take a minute, but I think she, you know, she's going to come back around. I just wanted to say... Before we got in the oh, episode. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Skylar has some. Skylar, what is it? I have a profound some apology news. to make. Yes. Oh, my God, what? In the last episode, I did not identify the actor who played Caleb, Trey's oh, Scottish yeah. cousin. Was he Scottish? No, Richie Coster. <laughs> <laughs> what? Tell us about him. He's, I mean, I. this may come as a surprise to listeners of the show, but. He's um not I, Scottish. <laughs> there's He's that. Not a Scot. Which is a, a heartbreaker, but. I love Michael Mann, one of my favorite filmmakers. He's in Black Hat. I've seen Black Hat so many times. You didn't even know it was him. I didn't. I didn't oh identify him, and I that just flew You're by such me. A traitor. I know. Wait, so is he American? I believe so. Okay, because if he's English, that's less thrilling. That's I actually more impressive that he wasn't Scottish. It's pretty. He's, I mean, he's it's, English. He, oh, he's 1967, English. 1967. Yeah, London, okay. England. Okay, well, okay. it's a little Richie similar. Coster. It's a little it's similar. Not as it's not them. as impressive. It's like I, us doing I wanted a him accent. to be from like Brooklyn. I really wanted it to be a full character. But there you go. That said, I'm sorry, Richie Coster. Oh, Richie. Uh, he did that great. is such a funny character. I He's love it. We're talking about the episode before with the guy that Samantha shags at the wedding. Oh, I with mean, his kilt. He's mm -hmm. so funny. 
Okay, we have a really exciting episode coming up. Oh, God. You guys, season three, episode 13, Escape from New York. I just have to say, Mm. as somebody who has never had a fake tan, this episode makes me want to get one because every girl, the core four all got fake tans in this episode and they look fucking fabulous yes uh, the next yeah all the all the la episodes they, they look, look gorgeous so and i love all their clothes and everything just feels very like fun and lots of pops of color it's and it's so just, fucking fun. yeah it's like a blast the episode kicks off also one more thing having lived in both new york and la as we all have yeah technically yeah, technically okay there's so many things that even though this was made fucking 20 years ago is still spot on 100 percent. i i also always love a, a good new york and la are different setup i mean i literally <laughs> still it's do well, it's also this is the best in like it's the best like sort of classic clean cut new york is invading la like they are so new york it's like the perfect new yorkers i have to say again i'm bringing up 20 years later because the issues and bullshit that make me annoyed with LA is verbatim from this exact episode. Sure. It's like, I also watched one ahead, so I'm not sure which one this is. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Okay. So the episode kicks off with Carrie taking in New York and all its rainy dreariness. She's chain smoking indoors. She's done with Aiden and Big, and she needs something new. Maybe something sunny and new. I can't believe you're all going to L.A. without me. We still can't believe you went on your honeymoon without us. <laughs> oh, I have pictures. <laughs> you happy now? While we were planning our escape, Charlotte was celebrating her return. She and Trey had just come back from 10 days in Bermuda. See, here Trey and I are playing golf. Uh-huh. Do you think the studio will send a limo to pick us up? No, I do not. They should. They're making a movie out of your columns. It's a little production company that's just talking about optioning my columns. I know. I was just practicing my L.A. spin. <laughs> oh, look, look, look. Here's one of Trey pretending to get a hole-in-one. He just loved that guy. Who wouldn't? Oh! Did you notice that we're both wearing Bermuda shorts? Bermuda's in Bermuda. You kids were crazy down there. Well, I'd love to stay, but I've got to drug my cat and take him to the kennel. Lovely. Ah, I got to go, too. Hey, the car's picking us up at 1. We'll be there. Welcome back, you old married lady. (laughs) Bye, have fun. All right. So, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Great. I told Aiden about the affair and he broke up with me. Trey and I never had sex on our honeymoon. You win. So, should we get more coffee or should we get two guns and kill ourselves? He just... So He couldn't get it up. We tried twice and it was just so frustrating we we just started playing golf. After many days on the golf course, Charlotte's handicap had gone down 12. Trey's handicap had stayed the same. Well, sweetie... Impotence is a common problem. Do you think he's impotent? Well, my husband can't be impotent. He's gorgeous. Mm. That's such a fucking amazing scene. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Aiden broke up with me. We haven't. I mean, it's excellent. How uh, good is that? It's amazing. Also, it's really- Simon play or something. It was. And also the the starting with the photos, showing them to everybody. Like, look, look at us playing golf. And then it's like, all we did was play golf. <laughs> like, just that turn is so great. You know what's funny? It's like pre-Instagram. Okay. We're talking about relationships, toxic relationships, blah, blah, blah. So 
one of my friends that I'd mentioned previously that had been in a very bad relationship and none of us knew it was bad. There was a moment where she went on a trip and showed a picture of it on Instagram and it looked so romantic mm-hmm. and there was a great caption. And then she came back and told me that it was like a fucking nightmare and that they fought yeah. the whole time. And it's just like, that's the equivalent, but they didn't have Instagram. So she's showing them physical pictures of golf. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. Too good to be true. Yeah. Anytime there's any, any vacation photos, I'm always like, oh, that couple fought on vacation. <laughs> Everyone fights on vacation. I think it's pretty normal. But it's not normal to be in the situation that Charlotte is in currently with Trey. Not having sex on your honeymoon. I mean, that's. That's true. I mean, that's fucking terrible. That's terrible. So. Well, I think that the biggest issue here, now we've seen that that one off that happened before the wedding is a problem. The biggest problem here to me, the biggest red flag is that when there's a problem with these two, they ignore it and they don't talk it out. Totally. And he shuts it down and she doesn't push it. It's no one person's fault. It's two of them. But I guess I have not been a very, very long relationship. I have not been in a 20-year marriage. But my intellectual idea is that there will be problems with everybody. There's no one you won't have problems with. But if you're with somebody where you both share what's bothering you, then at least you have a chance to get over it, right? Totally. Yeah. And it also, you know, it's not just that they – don't seem to talk about it. It's also that Trey kind of does. I mean, and we see this later in this episode, but Trey also fully won't engage. Like he really shuts it down. So even when she tries to bring things up, he really can't go there. He like doesn't. It, it's almost like he's not even hardwired to go past the surface like it's it's like it's no one's ever challenged him in that way or something so charlotte's kind of the first um just off of your point in i think it was in the last episode yeah. where trey the trey and charlotte sex problem stuff is like vaguely written or confusingly yes. written yes we know there have been multiple storylines at this point about characters taking viagra like why is that never also trey's a doctor like why is that never part of the solve for their I guess problem. that's what's going on, though, is that he seems he refuses to, to, accept, refuses to accept it. Exactly. Okay. I think that is the problem. And then that's what the you ED were saying, is not Rose, the too. Exactly. And I think that's the issue is that we're dealing with someone who can't Admit go there. that there's something going he on. He can't go there. He He really is so... He would rather ignore an issue than confront it because I guess maybe... There's a a weakness to admitting that there is a problem in his eyes, in his eyes. Like he sees it as a weakness. Like if you ignore it, then it's not really there. That's his it's vibe. It's so hard like in the world we're in and with the kind of friends we have and being women and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of men like Trey and probably women. There's probably a lot of people like Trey sure. where if there's anything that we all have flaws and insecurities and we can all relate to that. But he comes from a culture and a world or whatever his personal baggage is where it's just 
it's so painful to have a flaw that you just have to pretend that it's not a problem. It's also that thing of, did you ever see that movie Ready or Not? Is that what it's called? The one about the, the rich family that has the game yeah, where yeah, everybody yeah. kills each other? Such a fun movie. It's a great wow, movie. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Great it's movie, really you would love it. Okay. But um, it came out sort of like within the last year, yeah. right? Okay, I want to um, watch it. But in that movie, I feel like that's a little bit of what's going on with Trey. It's like everybody is kind of covering up their problems. Like again, very repressed you know supposed to be waspy yeah just kind of like nope nope like you know like yeah grandfather killed some we don't talk about that like there's just kind of this air of like yeah like you know yes our our great-grandfather did like murder a bunch of people but like you know we just don't talk about that he was very rich and he provided for all of us like there's just kind of this energy of this it it's not just trey it's like it's the culture the lineage is to shut it down don't talk about it yeah yeah, it's it's fascinating. Okay, so when Carrie, Miranda, and Samantha make it to their fabulous L.A. hotel, something pretty unfabulous happens. There was a screw-up, and Miranda doesn't have her own room. She and Carrie decide to bunk together as Samantha flirts with a dude. Chalker. Later in the hotel bar, Samantha... This is so funny. Garth. I, I mean, love this what a storyline. Samantha meets Garth, a professional dildo model. I don't know if that's even a real thing, but I love it. His penis is the inspiration for dildos. She's skeptical that's a real job. But Garth invites her to a dildo launch party to prove it is. And Miranda meets Jason Deke. <laughs> Jason Dick? Oh, it's Dick. Dick. Yeah. He okay. says he calls he says He says Dick. Yeah, he, yeah, he says Dick, but, but it's D I Q U. Yeah. Right. And Miranda meets Jason Dick, a nice guy who loves talking to her. She has a funny line about him. What does she call him? They had great banter. They had good banter. She calls him a dick or something. Yeah. Or at least he says he does, but then catches sight of a younger, hotter woman and completely ditches Miranda. This has happened to me before in LA. Ugh. And Carrie has the meeting that brought her to L.A. in the first place. Drinks with Debbie, a development executive who's very into Carrie's columns, played by <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller. Debbie's been putting in work. She set Carrie up to meet Matthew McConaughey, who wants to produce. I love that, like, it was such a weird cameo. What movies was he in around this time that he would be famous? I know that he's in Confused. Like, ten... How to lose a guy in ten days? Is I that think that's even later. Like later. he was, yeah, right. They, this was early in his career. Yeah, they kind of treat him as um, a big like, star. Well, Debbie's excited about it, but Carrie's not excited about it. So there's this like framing where Carrie's like Matthew McConaughey, like and Debbie's you're like, slumming you it. Don't a even bit. know was he's he like at the on time? everyone's casting list right now. Like she has kind of that energy of like we know he's going to be huge. She knew about the McConaissance twenty years ago. Oh, yes. McConaissance? Oh, do you know? Yes, this is that was the term for. I yeah, yeah. When he came back in Mud and oh Interstellar also and everything, his hair movie. Oh, is so much mud. like Justin Timberlake's in this. It's like tight blonde curls. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> he got like a major crimp for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like really tight yeah. and really. He, I want to say ringlet. He looks like a Precious Moments doll. Yes. Like, I just want to see like a hair and makeup person just like doing a tight curl before he gets on stage, <laughs> last, pinning them, pin la- curls. Last looks was taking out taking the curlers, taking out the bobby pins. <laughs> Oh, my God. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Back in New York, Charlotte tries everything she can to get Trey to sleep with her. Lingerie, kissing his neck, everything. This makes me sad because I bet this happens in real relationships. Unfortunately, Trey can't be bothered. He's building a spreadsheet. This was very sad, this scene. He's building a spreadsheet for sending out wedding thank yous that's taking up all of his free sex time. Otherwise, he'd be totally in. He swears. For now, Charlotte will just have to keep waiting. In L.A., Carrie tries her best to cart everyone around town in a Mustang she's pretty sure she can drive. She eventually gets the thing working, but it is not the smooth sailing she expected. She keeps starting and stopping and starting and stopping because she's driving a stick shift. Finally, she sputters over to her big meeting with Matthew on the Warner Brothers lot. Now, here's what I've been thinking about. How do we get your column to translate to the silver screen? And I think I've got the answer. Now, what if we flush out a central relationship? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Okay. Central relationship. Oh, Carrie and Mr. Big, huh? I don't see why they couldn't make it work. I couldn't believe it. I flew 3,000 miles to have Matthew McConaughey ask the same question I've been asking myself for years. I mean, look at him. I mean, he is such a great guy. I mean, I don't know anybody any oh. cooler than Mr. Big. I... My only question, really, is what the fuck is Carrie's problem? Oh, my God. You know? So what, what, what do you think? Well, um, I don't, I don't particularly think it was, it was just her problem. Um, cause, well, I, actually he had some, you know, commitment issues. That's bullshit, Gary! You know it! It's like Ace Ventura all of a sudden. It's amazing. <laughs> Kidding. I'm acting. Yeah? <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> yes, but do you see what I mean? That's why I want to develop the story with you. I'm Mr. Big. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay, that's... She's so funny. In this She's scene. amazing. I mean, what a fun role what for Matthew McConaughey to play. I mean, also, guys, like you, you can't obviously you can't see it, but if you have seen this episode, he is crouched in front of her, like fully invading her space in a pretty uncomfortable way now. Um, but at the time, I remember watching this and just being like, what a funny thing that he's like kind of like up in her face. Like he doesn't even realize that that's like completely inappropriate and he needs to like back the fuck off. Um, but it it yeah, I don't know. I, I just what I think that must have just been such a fun part to play um, that he's just kind of this like sort of weird winding puck free uh, yeah free association just kind of spitballing like a jazz cat yes jazz cat totally it's interesting that you say that about this is a really good example and i don't think i would have thought of it except for you just mentioned it of there are certain things where you rewatch something that was made 20 years ago that feels very different now there were a couple moments watching it now where i'm like ah casting couch ah. yep and it didn't ruin the scene for me, but after Weinstein and after Me Too and after Time's Up and all this stuff, seeing an actor get one inch from your face and say, I want to have sex with you and blah, 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 it's played for laughs. It's before all this stuff, but there's another layer no, to now it. now there's another layer. Interesting. But the character, yeah, I mean, it, it, that, it, honestly, the scene made me pretty uncomfortable. Same. 
But when you listen to it, like we're doing right now, and you don't have to see the visuals, you're like, that's so funny. His voice is so funny. What he's saying is so funny. He's kind of just like nonsensical, quirky, L.A. weirdo. It's very fun and funny to listen to. But when you watch it, you're just like, please, please back away from her. Like, you're way too close. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, like, it's a very weird scene. He gives almost like a Nicolas Cage performance. It's just it was, yeah, really it was like Mandy or something. It was fucking crazy. Yeah, like, I don't even know. What how the did they s- direct that? Like, how did did you think he chose to act like that? Yes, and I also don't think that was in the script. I think he was, like, fucking riffing. I think the yeah. director was like, just go. Because it's a long scene. We didn't even play the full scene. It's a really long scene for this show. And no, he, it's like three minutes. And he goes off the rails, listening to it back, talking to you guys about it. Was he trying to fuck her? Or was he just a crazy actor trying to make a, a, a thing? I actually couldn't tell. I definitely think he wanted to make the thing, but he did seem to not find it taboo to also want to fuck her. It felt a little like, yeah, I mean, fucking you is not not on the table. You know what I mean? Was like, that what it, he was getting out of no, the whole thing? It, well, there was a part later that we didn't play where he does say, I want to fuck you. Yeah. He does was say he in that. character? What he, was that about? He I think then that walks was, it back and says he's, he's in character. He's in character. Yeah. So the whole, th- that, that, is, that is the joke, is that he's saying, like, I want to fuck Carrie, but... Carrie is the character also because we're trying to adapt this really for funny, this. Yeah. Which is funny. It is a funny thing to be like, I want to fuck you. Not you, you, but you know, you. It was a Carrie, very interesting like, meta thing. Yeah. So it is a, for, for comedy purposes, that's just a funny device it's a good to device. use. Yes. But it is also in- uncomfortable given the times we're living in. I also wonder off of your point about it being like this, this fun meta scene, like this show being adapted from Candace Pushnell's columns and stuff like I wonder if so meta exactly it's this whole thing is like this kind of amazing weird meta arc episode uh, where the pitch is like what if we were to turn Carrie's columns into we were to adapt them it's like that's also the show we're watching it's like such a fun weird little dynamic within a show within a show within a show it's like Hall of Mirrors it's very like like so many like going to LA type arcs where it's like about the making of the thing and you're watching the thing which is great I also love how I love how Sarah Jessica Parker plays it. It's great because technically this is the first time any. Well, yeah, this is the first time any adaptation of her work has come to play. Like this is her first time in L.A., her first time having someone want to make her thing into a movie. And her reaction is quite cool. She is not like, yeah, that would be great. Like. Like, if it's your first time meeting and you're not just meeting anyone, you're meeting Matthew McConaughey and they're saying, I want to make your movie, you might be like, oh, my God, yes. Oh, I love how you're talking. That's so interesting. Yeah, Yeah, you might be, like, thirsty. Yes, she's so not thirsty. She is quite, what's the? the Satiated. Satiated. Um, And I thought it was a very funny way to play it. Uh, I love that she sort of maintained this, like, sort of stereotypical New York attitude of people in LA are fucking crazy. I thought it was really refreshing and I thought it was, uh, it was, it allowed us to be, I think it allows the audience to view LA the way I think a lot of New Yorkers view LA, which is there are a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of power, but it doesn't mean they're sophisticated and it doesn't mean that they are professionals in the way that I think New Yorkers think professionals should act. To that point, too, there's also something about the scene that uh, that is kind of interestingly 
I, I have to imagine a little deflated because we're watching it 20 years later and that's yeah. 20 years of McConaughey becoming an enormous actor again. Because again, uh, Carrie, in, when she's told she's going to meet with McConaughey, is not excited. So it's kind of a mean scene to McConaughey. Like in yeah. 2000, like it basically- kind of making fun of him. Exactly. It's like she's not excited because he's not- A big deal. Exactly. And 20 years on, like it, it, it's so it's so jarring to see someone who's that big a movie star like be I, that see, like self aware and and going it's, after. It's interesting their... you say that because I did not get the sense that she wasn't impressed because he's not that big of a star. I got the sense that she's not impressed by L.A. people who think they're impressive, and that to me was a refreshing perspective because again, I think that if you're in a position like Carrie where you don't you haven't had an opportunity like this it's very easy to be like oh my god he wants to make my thing and the fact that she still maintains like this guy is fucking too close to me i don't care if he's matthew mcconaughey i don't care if he's brad pitt i don't care who he is he's annoying and i thought that was just a funny take. that's just a funny totally. take that's not what you would expect no it's great another thing that i found funny about this scene and also relatable like as somebody who is a writer, who's been a magazine writer, who has written stuff that's autobiographical, who's pitched shows based on myself. Sure. There's something really, really funny. Um, and I, I, I think this is funny to anybody, whether you're a writer or not, but about him being like, What's wrong with this Carrie character? Why can't she make this relationship work? Because I've been in pitch meetings, you know, pitching shows like semi-autobiographical and they're like what's wrong with her like why can't she just yep. get into it and it's very very funny when you're defending a character that's basically you yes it's just something that's so hilarious it's like well what's i mean why would anyone like i remember in grad school i wrote this script and like the character was kind of like me and they were like why would anyone like her she's like so unlovable like she's oh so irritating God. and it made me laugh so hard it's I'm like, so funny it's so funny to have people be like i mean i just don't get that somebody would fall in love with her oh my god <laughs> that is hysterical it's like, lol isn't yeah it? it's amazing also i recently had a meeting about adapting a book and it's interesting because i really it also makes me identify with carrie here because when I went in to pitch the my my interpretation of what this would be like if we were to take the book to the screen, you know, I went in trying to stay close to the source material and they were kind we've talked about this before, Rose, but they were kind of like, no, no, like we really just like the title. Like you don't need like if there's characters you want to add, characters you want to take away, change their names, change their identities, change the whole thing, do it up. Like we want you to just kind of Take the title and then like everything else is like whatever you want it to Blank be. Slate. And that's what I think is so funny about this is that Matthew McConaughey's interpretation of her columns is like Big's a great guy. It's like, oh, that's not what I'm writing. I'm not writing that. But his if he were to take this IP and make it his own, he's like, we got to flush out the central relationship. And she's like, oh, that's like not where I'm at right now. Like the central relationship is not my central relationship in my life. And yeah, I just thought it's it was a like, real Hollywood. it's actually very real yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, it's like a typical network thing where they're like, we love it. We want to throw away everything and make it into a thriller horror. Yep. And, and you're, you're like, like what? that's not I pitched you a rom holiday rom-com. Right, based on the book that I wrote about the holiday rom-com. That's the crazy thing. You're, you're like, like, this is locked love it. in. This 
this it's is going to be on action film. Yeah, yeah. I know. Right? <laughs> so psycho. Anyways, okay, let's get back into it. So Samantha drags Miranda and Carrie to Garth's sex toy soiree. They aren't into it, but Samantha begs them to stay. Garth's going to be signing his new dildos, which she can't miss. As Carrie and Miranda wander Hustler's Isles, Miranda tells Carrie about the dick, Jason Dick, from the bar. She doesn't feel like she can compete with these sexed up Angelinos, and she's a little bummed about it. Oh, I had a quick thing I wanted to add here, which I thought was, it is very relatable. We don't have a clip for this, but I really like the portrayal of how Miranda's feeling about like the difference between women who kind of like they use their humor and their personality to kind of like wow guys almost like almost as like a defense mechanism like I don't need to sort of like over sexualize myself to make you attracted to me and then basically what happens is she's talking to Jason Dick earlier in the episode and this woman with like very like big boobs in a beautiful face walks by and her interpretation is like this woman just like puts her sexuality out there and I very much related to Miranda because I feel like I've always been the girl who's like I'm wearing like a fucking like turtleneck with a muumuu over it every time I've ever like been in a situation where I'm trying to flirt and I thought it was an interesting thing to kind of be like there are these girls who are just like yeah my tits are out because I like my tits and I want them to be out and I want guys to see them because they're great and there's nothing wrong with that. And I've always, I've just, I very, this to me was like a monologue that I feel like I would have written. Yes, but also as somebody who definitely feels like more of a Miranda. And I do also think that Miranda could wear that same dress and would not get that reaction. Like I do oh, also think sure. that there's girls that look a certain way that like. It wasn't a great example. Uh, the, the. The visuals of this did not match what Miranda was saying exactly because I agree with you. I felt like they made it more like this super hot girl walked by. Obviously, they're going to stare. She's like a fucking model. Even if Miranda was a model, they might still stare because it's like, well, there's another model. I think but Miranda, I liked yeah. I, I just really liked the writing. I liked the monologue of the girls who put it out there and the girls who don't because I always feel like I'm the girl who never put it out there. Like, to a fault. I'm like, I just, like, cover up and shut it down. Well, I think you are very beautiful and com- more conventionally attractive. Like, I think you oh. look like a popular girl, even if you wear a turtleneck okay. and stuff. Yeah, you have a great body. Okay. And I feel a little bit more like a little awkward Miranda, where it's like, Miranda could wear that same outfit, and it's not going to... She's not... She doesn't look like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. That's just my thought. I think it, yeah, I think my point was it's less about the looks and it was more just the underlying sentiment of the girls who are okay with being flirty and open and the girls who are like, my way of flirting is to kind of not flirt. Well, I think, I think there is that, but I also think certain people like Miranda are never going to get that. Like Miranda could have a different personality and wear different clothes and it's still not the same as that I, girl. I, I know what you're saying. Again, I don't think the visuals... <laughs> we're of, really fighting on this no, one. No, we're saying the same thing. <laughs> I know. I'm saying the visuals did not support what she was saying. Right. But the the writing of what she was saying, I think that they could have represented it better right. because that girl is just, again, like you're saying, she's like Miranda's conventionally cute, but this hot. woman is like a goddamn T- totally, sex goddess. Totally, yeah. totally, totally. I just really loved that notion yes. and I wish that they, to your point, I wish they had kind Made of a little shown less a better subtle. example yeah. because I think it's a really interesting point about how people 
flirt and how they use their sexuality yeah. in social situations. I think I'm triggered by this example because I do feel like in L.A., you can be talking to a really interesting guy oh, and yeah. a girl who's blonde and tiny. Yep who's 10 years younger, who looks like Taylor Swift will walk by and it truly doesn't matter like yeah. how much you have in common or like I definitely related to that. Which I think that should have been the model. I think it should have been more about that. I, I think th- it's I, both interesting. Yeah, they are. But I think that that is more of what, I don't know. That it, yeah, I feel like the difference, that feeling of being a like brown haired girl Geeky. in a sea of huge boobs, blonde, classically attractive at a literal like hustler convention it is interesting that that wasn't more of the discussion it's like being the jennifer gray like yeah and but it was kind of yeah they kind of weren't saying what was really going on i don't feel like it's synced up it's like being the smart cute girl versus like the mega fucking hot girl And, and the point being that like you could not that all guys are like this in la but there is a sec a sector of men in la at these like I mean, obviously, they were at the most superficial party they could be at. Yeah. And that's just another quick point about this episode is that I love the way they portray because I I guess their hotel, there's like a strip. The Sunset Strip has a lot of hotels. And I assume that their hotel was on the Sunset Strip. And this whole episode takes place on like the west side of L.A., which I we live on the east side. West Side is, has its merits, but it really is a specific type of L.A. It's very touristy. And it is where like a hustler party would be. In fact, the hustler store is like over there. And I thought that it was a very funny. It's it is like kind of like the worst part of L.A. in that way. And I love that that's, Times Square. I love that that's where this whole episode takes place. It's like not even the cool L.A. It's of like course. the most L.A. L.A. Yeah, it's like the dorkiest. Yeah. Anyways. OK, so quick after, sidebar. Yeah, it was great. After Sam gets Garth's autograph, they plan to meet back at the hotel. She wants to try that famous penis of his. The next morning at breakfast, Sam passes out the signed dildos Garth brought for everyone, but the gifts don't fix Carrie's mood. Sam and Garth's loud sex kept her up, and she's dreading her follow-up meeting with McConaughey. And Charlotte is still dealing with Trey's possible impotence. She and Carrie bat around ideas for getting to the bottom of it on the phone, and they land on a very medically sound test. Charlotte needs to wrap a loop of paper around his penis while he is asleep. If he can get hard, he probably will while he's passed out, and the broken loop will tell the tale. That was such a fun little twist. Samantha sees Garth again, but he's worried she's not really seeing him. Later that night, Samantha invited Mr. Dildo out for dim sum and then some. (laughs) So, Samantha, tell me more about yourself. What are your interests? Oh, I think that's pretty obvious. (laughs) I'm serious. I mean, don't you want to know more about me? My interests? Well, okay. (laughs) I'm a poet. Oh. I've even, I've been published in the Amicus Journal. Garth wanted Samantha to know that he was more than just a sex toy. He had a soft side. You want to hear one? Oh, my God. No. That's um, a funny clip. You really, like, blue balls just with that. I yeah, I, I, that, was, that was a cliffhanger. The poem is that was a cliffhanger. Cliff- 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 Have you ever had somebody that was attractive bust out something that was so wildly yes, unattractive? definitely. Oh, my God. I, oh God I'll never forget. <laughs> when I was 18, I was, like, hooking up with this guy, and... It was one of those situations where I just wanted to get to it because I was not really feeling his personality, but he was very hot. 
And we were, it was actually similar to this. We're on the couch and I'm like, okay, like it's about to happen. And then he's like, can I show you something? And I was like, I was like, um, sure. He goes, hold on. And he (laughs) goes to a closet and comes back with, um, a pad of tracing paper and he had, <laughs> he had dying. Tra- <laughs> get ready he's a good tracer Titanic you drew you like one of his French girls no I wish he could do even, he traced he me got, like a, traced me like one of your French, French girls, girls. So no funny. he can't he did tracings oh of God. Digimon characters <laughs> That is so. And he was like taking me through it, like showing them to me. The idea of like pulling away from a kiss and me like, this is reminding me. I need to show you. Showing somebody, somebody you trust. I mean, also, I didn't know what Digimon was. I, I like, don't know. I what it digital is. monsters. It was basically like Pokemon. He was like, "This is Jigglypuff. This is." I'm like, it was not a far cry from. from and then that. when you were done, was he like, "Cool, back to the makeout." It was so. It was so harf. That was one of the most har. That is actually the most horrifying. Wait, have I told this story on the podcast before? This is a complete sidebar, Please. but I feel like you'll love it. You must tell us. Yeah, he. Uh yeah so okay so that happened and then it was just so hard the whole night I and mean, there's so many details to this but after that happened I was like you know kind of like killed the vibe for me honestly really Why? I also went to art school like I went to school for that because like, I went I to a, trace it better yeah I was just a little like <laughs> you, you, you don't know who you're fridge. dealing <laughs> basically I was like what is so this fucking strange. pasta art like what are we doing He's like I made you a macaroni necklace on a piece of paper. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, it was a craft project. That's incredible. But anyways, then whatever, then we hooked up and then he like came really fast and he kind of like, he was like on top of me and then he like kind of like collapsed on me and then started whispering in my ear like that happened because like you're that good like and then he kept saying I ain't no minute man he was like I ain't I ain't no minute man I ain't like a white and guy I was, yeah and he's fucking white as fuck and I was just like get out of my ear get out of my vagina what did he dress go like go fucking trace a, a little character and leave me alone forever do you think oh at this point God. in his life he's free handing it or you think he's still tracing <laughs> This tracing is like I will never get over it. It's one of the great reveals. Oh my god! So point, I need to, to bring show it you back, my tracings to of bring Digimon. it back to the show. The, he is making Garth look like a goddamn dream man. That's incredible. Oh my god! So. Charlotte wraps a loop of stamps around Trey's penis while he's asleep, and Garth hits Sam with a stunning rendition of his less-than-stunning poetry. Plus, he talks about maybe moving to New York to date her more permanently, which Sam is not interested in. Bye-bye. They're done. Out at the pool, Carrie smokes alone, which is how she figures she should be, at least for the time being. Charlotte, meanwhile, confirms that Trey can get hard. The Stamps Tour. Carrie, Miranda, and Samantha head to a Western bar. This is a really fun scene where Miranda gets the confidence boots she's been chasing. I loved that. It's a really fun scene. It's really sweet. I'm glad she didn't like fall and get hurt. I was like a little worried. No, it was really cute. She rides a mechanical bull and tears open her shirt. The episode ends with Carrie blowing off McConaughey. Her story is going to stay hers. 
And this brings us to the question of the episode. After I left the meeting, I took a wrong turn and somehow found myself right back where I had started, back in New York, back wondering about Big. I had come to LA for a vacation, hoping to get away from Big and Aiden and most of all myself. But sitting on the fake set, all my old issues felt more real than ever. I couldn't help but wonder, no matter how far you travel or how much you run from it, can you ever really escape your past? I know this doesn't fully apply to the context of this question, but I have had these thoughts just um, honestly before I took Wellbutrin, where I was like, oh, if I go on vacation or like to someplace amazing where I want to like just unplug and have a great time and feel great. Like my thoughts are going to go with me there. And that really sucks. Like I don't want to bring my brain with me, but my brain just goes with me everywhere I go. And that's such a pre Wellbutrin thought. Totally. And uh, when I when I heard this question, when I was watching it, that's what it reminded me of. I know that's not. No, no, that doesn't apply here fully. No, I do. I think what you're saying is. You can't you can't outrun anything. Yeah. And it's it's a, I think I've said this quote before on the podcast, but like wherever you go, there you are or 100%. whatever it is. It's just true. And also, you know, on in the two episodes ago on this podcast, I, was, I think my horny four was the Monica Lewinsky episode of Armchair Expert. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how you're always encouraged to like move forward, move on. Everyone's like, forget Forget that. Today's a new day. And we're always encouraged to divorce ourselves from our past. And it would be way healthier if we just let our past inform decisions we make as we go, as opposed to sort of beating ourselves up for for what we did before. And I thought that was like a really nice outlook on looking back, like to not be defined, to, to to allow yourself to be defined by your past, like stop shaming yourself for what you did before or who you dated before or whatever it is and just let it be part of the learning curve. I don't know. I thought it was nice. I thought it was just like a nice way to look at things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, this question is interesting. Can you ever really escape your past? The interesting thing about these questions are they're so wildly broad. So I think I like to try and answer them contextually. Exactly. Or at yeah. least right now I would. I think we all have past, but you can't escape it if it's what's on your mind. For example, you might have had a really hard time in high school, but if it's not on your mind anymore, you're not thinking about it. She's talking about her very recent past. She's talking about two weeks ago. Yeah. This thing that is like tearing her apart that she went. Yeah, it's to- not even really her past yet. Yeah. So I think that I think it honestly kind of depends because I had a breakup right before I went to Vietnam and Cambodia and I had a great time in Vietnam and Cambodia. I was so present. I didn't think about anything, but maybe that's different than this one because I wasn't I, I felt good about that relationship ending and yes. so I wasn't tormented right I you guess, also didn't lose like two dudes at once essentially that's true <sighs> it's really hard to say because sometimes I do think changing scenery if you're going through a hard time isn't a bad idea just no to, like, oh it helps go to Hawaii it helps just, yeah I don't think it it's helps. gonna solve no, it no it doesn't solve it but, but if you're it having helps. a little rough patch I don't think it's a bad call to just mix it up a little because even if you're kind of depressed but then you have a little fun a little fun is worth something. Yeah, it's a step. I think so. I think so too. I think it I think it's you can't expect it to be the full resolution, but it is a nice break from 
the pattern you're living. One of the girls on the trip that I went to in Vietnam and Cambodia had an experience right before the trip with a guy she had been seeing and he kind of started freaking about freaking out about commitment and they kind of put their relationship on ice. Mm. And I don't think it's why she went on the trip, but she had a great time on the trip. She didn't even think about him. She like had a really present, incredible time. And then she got back and he's like, I was an idiot, blah, blah, blah. And she was in such a more self-empowered stance. And I think that trip was so exciting that it actually did distract her. That's amazing. So, I love that story. Yeah, so I don't really know. Oh, it's like There's hope, people. I think if you're going through a particularly tough moment and you want to like go be around a really good friend or like go to Cabo with your girlfriends, like, yeah, do it. I, I also it- think escaping your past, don't escape to L.A. L.A. is just a whole new set of issues, especially if you stay on the Sunset Strip. I think it's so depressing over there. Yeah, I think if you're going to like really take a break do something that just sounds so fun to you yeah i'm like maybe go further than california okay uh our final segment sex in the city is obviously a very horny show we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for rose what are you horny for well thanks for asking no problem um i'm very food focused Mm. i love eating um i'm more of an eater than a drinker and i like get into certain foods and then become obsessed with it and like need to eat it like twice a week for like three months. And that food right now is Sundabu. Mm. It is a Korean tofu soft stew. Oh, sounds and so good. It's my favorite thing. There's a million restaurants oh, to go to in LA. That. And basically, especially it's, you know, for LA, it's been a little cold and you order this tofu soup and it's bubbling. They bring it in this pot that's bubbling and then they give you a raw egg. You crack it over and it cooks in the stew. Yeah. And it's just like warm. There's so much flavor. There's kimchi. There's tofu. You can get like whatever else you want in it, meat or whatever. I just love the tofu. And then they bring you like 500 little banchan appetizers. And it's so fucking affordable. And I've been literally dreaming of it. So I'm probably going to get it again this weekend. Mm, That sounds so good. Jamie, what are you horny for? Okay, I'm using... A cleanser that I like. I have to interrupt immediately. Oh. Jamie has the most gorgeous skin. That's and crazy. looks beautiful. Use all the things she tells That's you. That's crazy. That I Literally to hear that, you don't even understand. My skin has been such a constant battle in my life. So for you to say that is like. I sit a foot away from you and it's blow, stunning. It blows my mind to hear that. You don't even know. My whole life, it was like cystic acne, constant battle. Girl, you're um, gorgeous. Thank you. Face I've it. done a ton of work to reverse not only the acne but the acne scarring so thank you for saying that um and it's a journey it never stops but um the thing i'm horny for right now is this uh cleanser it's i think a black charcoal it's a the the liquid is black uh so i'm assuming it's charcoal just because that seems to be a popular ingredient right now um but it's by that brand bosha or bossia it's b-o-s-c-i-a and it's a charcoal cleanser and it warms uh, when it comes out. It's like a warming liquid. So it like opens up your pores so things get in there more. Um, and it's just so good. I love that product line. And I do have very sensitive skin and I feel I feel ex- it's rare to like get excited to use a product. And every morning when I like pump out the little <laughs> black juice uh i get excited to use it and um it's very gentle and yeah i just think i don't know there's a lot of stupid cleansers out there 
that always have like weird beads in them and or it's like too creamy and it leaves a residue. This one's like right down the middle. It's a little creamy. It's a little gel. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Sounds fab. So yeah, the charcoal cleanser by Bosha or Boschia. Awesome. Bo- Boschiat. <laughs> Boschiat's line of cleansers. That's it. So yeah. Okay, well, another great up, another great day. Gal, love ya. Love ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. you nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. (coughs) Oh, <coughs> oh,